welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical, real-life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hey there, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here to hang out with me today. You know, on the show, as we talk about redefining what balance means for us, we are really talking about how we can best show up in all eight areas of life that God has called us to. And one of those areas is our career, and that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. You know, when we think about our career, there's so much that goes into it from finding the right company for finding the right position within the company and then also showing up as our best self within that position. And we're talking a little bit about all of those today, but mostly we're diving into what we can do, our own personal responsibility and accountability to creating a positive culture regardless of what our position is and regardless of whether it's a great company we're working for or maybe it's a little bit on the other side of that spectrum. Now, today in this conversation, I am joined with Deanne Turner, and you guys are going to love her. Now, she has a new book coming out called Bet on Talent. And the thing that I love so much about Deanne and the wisdom that she gives us today really comes a lot from her book, which you guys are going to love this book because it is very tactical and it really dissects all of the strategies of numerous industry-leading organizations along explaining what her original approach is. And she gives it to us in a way that we can just take it and apply it right to where we are, regardless of where that is. Now, Deanne Turner is leading the modern conversation all about talent in business. She is a speaker, an author, an executive coach, and a consultant. And she really knows what she's talking about, you guys, because she was the first female officer at Chick-fil-A, and there she served as the vice president of talent and later the vice president of sustainability. And when she's talking about culture, she really knows what she's talking about because while she was there, she helped shape the Chick-fil-A historical remarkable culture for more than 30 years. Now, her first best-selling book was called It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and Compelling Culture. And in there, she kind of took the readers behind the scenes into Chick-fil-A on how they were able to build such great success through culture. So this is a little bit of a follow-up book, but you guys, you're going to want to get your hands on this book because it really is a tactical approach to doing this for yourself, for your career, and the company that you are serving in. And what I really love about Deanne is that she just has a heart for helping other leaders. She has a heart for helping all of us grow in our career and be the light of Jesus wherever he has called us to be. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Deanne Turner. Deanne, welcome to Redefining Balance. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today all about leadership and culture and how we can really make a positive impact in our workplaces right where God has called us. But before we get into all of the greatness that I know you have in store for us, first share with us a little bit more about who you are. Thank you, Jenny, for having me today. It's a real pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Well, about me. First of all, I'm married to my husband, Ashley. We've been married for 36 years. And so, yes, we were young when we got married and, and have grown a life together. We have three 20-something sons, have certainly been the delight of our life along the way. And I'm a recently retired corporate veteran and new entrepreneur CEO of my own organization, 
just released my second book, Bet on Talent, How to Create a Remarkable Culture That Wins the Hearts of Customers, and uh, it followed up my first bestseller, It's My Pleasure. So I'm really busy these days in a new season of life and loving every minute of it. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. And I love, too, that you, we were just talking a little bit, chatting before we started recording and, and kind of talking about the wisdom that you bring through being on the other side, where so many of our listeners are in the thick of it, myself, raising boys and managing a career and managing home and just trying to be the best I can be and all that God has called me to be. But to have, here you say you have three boys, you've had a very successful career. I mean, boys are tough. I mean, girls are probably <laughs> have their tough things too, but when you said three boys, I was like, oh, mercy. <laughs> my two <laughs> give me a run for my money. I can't imagine throwing a third in there. Well, it, it certainly kept us hopping. And, you know, that third one we call God's added blessing. And so can you imagine, Jenny, so where we were when I found out I was pregnant with him is that I had been tapped to succeed the vice president of human resources at Chick-fil-A to take over that position within the next few months. Our youngest child at the time was entering pre-kindergarten. My husband, who just was a, has been a terrific support to me, he had the kind of career that we didn't have to have our children in childcare very much because he picked up a lot of that slack. And so he was going to have his off days again to play golf and do what he enjoyed. And I find out that we're having our third child. And that was quite challenging. It was, I had to go to Chick-fil-A and tell them I waited a little while, needless to say because these plans were already made and I was supposed to take over in June of that year. And guess when the baby was due? June, of course. Oh my goodness. And I had this wonderful boss who rescheduled his retirement and stayed for three months so that I could take that time off to be with my new baby. And then two weeks after I got back, though, he was gone and into his <laughs> retirement. But it, it was, uh, that might have been the most tense, challenging time of my life. But I have to say that third son, whose name actually means unexpected treasure. He has been just that. And we're so thankful God gave him to us. And he would know what we would need even today. And um, so I'm thankful for all three of them. And it all worked out great. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes when you look back and you just think, Lord, what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and we could probably see it. Like you could probably see some of the lessons and some of the, the, the grace that God gave you in that season. But I'm sure in the moment you were like, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. <laughs> Very much so. And people told me then, they said, You're, this is going to be the greatest blessing of your life. And, and it's certainly one of them. Wow. And what an amazing tie-in too to culture. And what we're going to be talking about today is working for a company that had such a culture that they would reschedule their retirement to be able to help you with this transition and to really be there for your family. That's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Yes, it actually was. But I guess at that point, since they had made, you know, they had created the succession plan and I was on track for that, it was probably easier to just switch things up for three months than to try to come up with another solution for succession. So um, I, th I think it was as much personal to the man who chose to do that as anything. And I think he did it for me. And I think he did it for Chick-fil-A. And what a wonderful sacrifice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Now, did you always work for Chick-fil-A in your corporate career or did you, what was that path looking like for you to, to take on to such a, an incredible role, especially as a female, to rise up and be one of the leaders within that organization? Well, I started out out of college. I was actually still in college and I was working for an advertising firm because journalism was my first major in school. And 
my husband was a pastor at a church just down the street from Chick-fil-A, and I was working on the other side of Atlanta, which was pretty inconvenient and for us to be involved in the community where he was serving. So he kept encouraging me to look at Chick-fil-A, and finally I did. And I was turned down the first time I applied. And to make a very long story short, I actually talk about it in Bet on Talent. But I applied again. I was turned down a second time. And then I, I became really intrigued about this place that didn't think I could fit in so or fill a role that they had. So I began really pursuing them for months at a time. And during that time, a lady had a flat tire on the road outside of the church. And she came into the church and asked my husband if she could use the phone. And he said, no need to do that. I'll change the tire for you. So he changed the tire and she gave him a coupon for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. And he said, oh, do you work at Chick-fil-A? And she said, I do, but I've resigned because my husband's relocating. And he said, what department do you work in? And she said, advertising. And so he ushered her out of the church. I called Chick-fil-A and said, I hear you have an opening in advertising and I want to interview for it. And so I went on to interview for that job for months, actually, and got into my final interview with the vice president of human resources. And he said, we're going to offer you this job in advertising, but I also have a job in HR if you're interested. And I thought, wow, this is kind of fun. And I like these people in HR. I think I'll do this for a couple of years and then I'll go to marketing. So that never happened because my career took off. But I tell people that my husband changed my life when he changed a tire. So you I never know where a good deed is going to end up. <laughs> That's incredible story. I love that. And I think it's so encouraging too, because I think, you know, especially as we're building our career or trying to make our plans for our career or think about what those next steps are going to be. Sometimes it, it's those things that just kind of come out of the blue, those little God shoves mm-hmm. in the right direction, right. <laughs> the wind in our sails, moving us down a path that we never could have even planned for ourselves. I mean, that's incredible. Well, I always said I was going to be the preacher's wife. You know, I was going to stay home with the children and that was going to be my role. And I was looking forward to fulfilling that role and God intervened. And he had a different plan that I actually didn't see at first. When I went to work at Chick-fil-A Young in my career and I was in the corporate environment, having planned to go into full-time Christian ministry, I really felt like I was letting God down. I mean, that was the feeling that I had. And I went through a little period of that. And then he showed me that my ministry was and my calling was to help other people find their calling. And then I started looking at my role as a ministry instead of a job. And that really changed everything for me. That's incredible. I think that that is such wise words that I know are going to fall in the right heart for whoever is listening and whoever needs that message. Amen to that. That's amazing. Now, With your new book that you have coming out, Bet on Talent, it really is a lot about and I love that you share some of these personal stories in that book as well. But I love that you you talk a lot about leadership and you talk about culture. And I think sometimes in our culture, <laughs> our, mm-hmm. our working culture, we have different words that we kind of throw around and that we might not always fully understand. So when we talk about culture in the workplace, what are we talking about specifically and why is it important? Okay. So when I talk about culture, I'm talking about the very foundation of an organization. In fact, I say culture is the soul of the organization. And those of us who you know, have a faith-based orientation, we recognize the soul is core to who we are. So think about culture being the soul of the organization, core to who that organization is. And it's really made up of three elements. The first is a meaningful purpose. Why does the organization exist in, at all? 
Now, by the way, these concepts I'm sharing with you, they certainly fit within the corporate world. They also fit within the nonprofit world. They also fit within schools. And even I've had people tell me they've used these principles in their family. So if you think about any type of organization, the first element of its remarkable culture would be to have a meaningful purpose of why that they exist at all, that, that they really pursue for as long as the organization exists. The second element is a challenging mission. So what's the goal that the organization wants to achieve, the big goal? You know, what is their reason for existing? And so what are they there to do is what you're focused on. And then the third thing is demonstrated core values. And you notice I just don't call them core values because if we write down the core values of our organization, of our church, of our classroom at school, or even our family, just stick them on a wall, they don't mean anything if the members of that organization don't demonstrate them. It starts with leadership, but everyone has to demonstrate these consistently day in and day out. And when you can move the members of your organization to constantly reminding themselves of what is the challenging mission, what is the meaningful purpose that they're pursuing, challenging mission, and these demonstrated core values, then that's when a remarkable culture takes hold and really starts to grow. I love how you just simply break it down into those three things, which I think is really valuable and important. And as you're you're listing those things, you know, I was thinking about myself and where I am in my own career. I really have a position and a place where I can start to define what those are in the organization and communicate that and trickle it downward. But I know that's not the case for everybody. So if someone is working for a company and they're in, they're in their career, but they're not in a place where they can really create that meaningful purpose and maybe it's not already provided, what would you recommend that they do? How can they still have an impact on culture given their position? Well, first of all, I hope they're in an organization that even if they don't have all the elements in place, I hope they're in an organization that's trying to do that because individual contributors can always support that if that's the case. So let's start there and assume that the listener in this case is someone who is not necessarily a leader charting the culture, but is an individual contributor in an organization that's trying to achieve that. The most important role first is to make sure before you even go to work there, do I match the culture of this organization? Do I know what their purpose is? And does it align with my personal purpose? Because it's really hard to join an organization. And if you don't agree with their purpose, that's really a mismatch. So for me, and and for a lot of people, when you think about Chick-fil-A as an example, people work there for decades. Well, why do they do that? I think the number one reason is the personal alignment to a purpose, which says our purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us. And a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. So for me, long before I was a leader helping to or be an architect of the culture, long before that was my role, I aligned with that purpose to begin with. The mission came a little later in my career. We had different missions because missions change. And so earlier in my career, Chick-fil-A's mission was to be America's best quick service restaurant at satisfying every guest. When Chick-fil-A franchisees and their team members accomplished that mission, We had to develop a new mission. And so the mission, for example, became to be remarkable. But as an individual contributor within an organization, that's the next step. Do Can I support their mission? What is it? And do I support it when I'm making a decision to go work there in the first place? 
And then lastly, those core values. Do those core values resonate with my personal core values? Because if they don't, why would you want to work there? So the first responsibility of someone is to determine if that culture matches. If it does, they're likely to be pretty satisfied and happy and engaged there. If it doesn't, it's not going to be a very long-lasting relationship. And then once you're there in the organization as an individual contributor, then your role begins to support those things and to filter your work through that. So early in my career, every decision I made as an individual contributor before I became a leader was, am I being a faithful steward and am I being a positive influence? So let me give you an example. I had a role, one of my very first roles there was responding to candidates who had been in my position, you know, I told you I was turned down by Chick-fil-A twice. And so they were in that situation. I had to turn a lot of people down. We didn't have many opportunities and we had a lot of inquiries. So how did I do that in a way that I was a positive influence so that they wouldn't go away with a bad taste in their mouth and the pun is intended for (laughs) Chick-fil-A. So that was how I helped perpetuate a culture was incorporating those things into my day-to-day job. I took the core values. You know, one of them was excellence. So it dictated how I did my work. I did my work with excellence and, and we could go so on and so on. So now let's talk about what about the person that's stuck in a toxic culture? Yes. And they, yeah. And they want to make change. That was my next question for you. That was honestly my very next question is I think for the people who are currently looking for a job, everything that you just talked about, and before we move on to the toxic culture, because that is the next thing I want to cover, but okay. can you give us a couple tips? So if someone's looking for that next career opportunity, maybe they have their resume out there, they're doing interviews, or they're getting ready to enter into that season for themselves, what types of questions should they be asking for? Or what things should they be looking at or looking into when they're looking for that company to, to get a clear identity of what their purpose is, what their mission is, and what their core values are? Sure. Well, the good news is most of this information is found online. You know, you can go to a company's website, you're going to get the message they want you to have. But there's so many other great digital platforms now to find that Glassdoor, Indeed, LinkedIn. So, you know, the first thing is to do your research and go see not just what the company says about itself, but then go and look at those other sources to learn what employees and customers of the organization, or those served by the organization, what they say, because that's a great indicator of whether or not a company is living out their purpose, mission, and core values. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, now I want to know about toxic work environments, because I've been a part of some of these before, where you might be putting your best step forward as an individual contributor, but if the overall organization is just not living up to that, or or it's mismatched in other ways, or it might be matched in some departments, but not others. How do we deal with these types of situations? Sure. Well, I worked for a toxic culture too before I went to Chick-fil-A. And, and I, uh, tell, I actually tell this story in Bet on Talent too. The first part of the book talks a lot about the difference between remarkable and toxic cultures. So remarkable cultures are defined by their principles. You'll see that the organization operates that way, that they They teach people principles and then expect that they have the judgment and capacity to live out those principles in their work. A toxic culture oftentimes is defined by their rules. Their rules everywhere. You can walk in to a place and see it just by all the rules they have. Keep off the grass. You know, just start there. It's like, see all the rules that are in place. And so I worked for this 
organization with a toxic culture, one of the rules was the boss, the owner of the company, took a two-hour nap every day after lunch. And the rule part of it was is that he said he was not to be disturbed under any circumstances. Well, one day the FBI showed up. And I was sitting at the front desk and they asked to see my boss. Oh, no. And my confident 20-year-old self says, I'm sorry, but he's not available. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so full of that toxic culture that I was more concerned with waking my snoring boss than I was obstructing armed federal agents. Wow. And so that's my next lesson is that's what happens. Even people that You know, I grew up with a sense of personal purpose and all of those things, but all you have to do is immerse yourself in a little bit of toxicity and you become part of that culture. So this is harsh, but the first thing is... Isn't Deanne great? I am loving all of the great wisdom that she is pouring out for all of us, but I had to interrupt because if you like tips and inspiration, a lot like what Deanne is sharing with us today, then you should download the free app, Your Life Rocks. Inside the app, you'll get free courses, our weekly success planning checklist that you can do each and every single week. Plus, you'll be able to access our lifestyle guide. Now, this comes out every single month and it has tips and inspiration on all eight areas of life. So you can continue to grow in your faith, marriage, parenting, career, home, health, finances, and friends and fun. You can download the app right inside your app store even while you are listening to this podcast. You don't even have to push pause. Go right into where you get your apps either an Apple or Google, and search Your Life Rocks and download it today. All right, now let's get back to more tips and inspiration from Deanne. But the first thing is, if you're in a toxic culture, and we can talk about what you might be able to do to influence, and you can't influence it, you have to realize that you can't stay there. I mean, it's just not healthy for you. You're not going to grow in any part of your life. It's going to impact your relationships. It's going to impact your fate. It's going to impact your career trajectory. So that's the first thing. That's hard. That's really, really hard when you like are trying to affect it and you realize you can't affect it. Like for me, I always felt when I was in a a company that was very toxic and I knew I needed to leave, but I felt like I was abandoning ship. Like I was leaving my team behind in a toxic work environment. I couldn't save everybody, but I felt like I was giving up and like this overly responsible side of me really struggled with that. And it was hard to leave. And I've seen so many people. I, I wasn't in that situation very long. And, and I did leave, but I actually ran to something then away from that. I have a lot more insight looking back at that situation than when I was in it. You've heard the old analogy about the frog in the bowling water. And we don't know sometimes that we're even in it till we look back on it. And then sometimes we're well aware that we're boiling in the middle of it. But I think the first thing is if you have any responsibility, okay, whether you're just a member on a team within an organization, you can start a positive cultural movement by that suggestion of, so why are we here? Why does this team exist? Could we develop a reason we exist? And then you go to, so what's our mission? What big goal do we want to rally around as a team and achieve for the organization? And then What are our core values? How are we going to behave with one another in this team? How can we demonstrate those? And then how are we going to hold people accountable to these things? So you can always ask those questions as a member of a team. 
and you might influence that team and then that team can have influence on the next level of leadership and you can grow a movement and it's happened in organizations and if not if nothing else if you feel like you need to stay in your organization with a toxic culture at least maybe you make your work environment manageable for yourself and the, uh, those that are around you but that's i think personal influence is most powerful and you can take those principles and whatever your responsibility is in the organization, you can start growing it from right there. But it's very, very difficult in that situation. Oh, yeah, that's that's really great, though. I love that the, you gave us really tangible tips. And so I hope that everyone kind of goes back and we'll link to everything in the show notes page, too. So we'll have all of this listed out at yourliferocks.com for anyone who is like, ah, what, what did she just say? Because I need to be able to implement that for myself. Now, my next question I have for you, Deanne, is really about the leaders that are listening, the ones that are in a position to have a greater influence or to be able to to steer the ship in the right direction. But, you know, we all know leaders kind of have those blind spots. So what were those things that you would suggest for those listening that are in those leadership positions that maybe need to evaluate what is the culture that I'm putting out? How am I contributing to this? And, and what do I need to maybe adjust? What are those blind spots that they should be aware of? Well, the first thing I would do is back up and for a leader and say, okay, what is your end objective? And what's the end game for all of this? And so in my case, it was for the customer to have an amazing experience. Okay, that was the end game for us. Yes, employee experiences and all these things, but we're in business, right, to serve the customer. If someone's leading ministry, the end game is how do we best serve the members? If somebody's leading an educational institution, how we best serve the students. That's the end game. So our goal was to create legendary customer service. So how did we do that? Well, we started by creating this foundation of a remarkable culture. But okay, so you have this culture, but who's going to execute it? So we'll come back to that because you asked me a different question, but hold that thought because I want to give you the big picture and then we can go back to these blind spots. But extraordinary talent, and then you teach these principles to this extraordinary talent so they can create amazing customer experiences. When you combine all that together over time and it's consistent, that's what creates the legendary service. So that's the formula that I was working in. So what are the blind spots? Well, one blind spot is if you don't think about who the end user is, who's the person you're trying to serve? And if you, if you create all of this just to serve the people who are serving rather than thinking about who's ultimately served, that can be a big blind spot. Starting with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey says, you know, that's where to go. Start with the end in mind. So failing to do that would be a big blind spot in building your culture. You can't do just what works for the people that are working there, but also the people who are being served. A second blind spot is when we don't adjust the culture when it's needed. So as a leader, think about this for a moment. We, we get used to it. It's comfortable. It's what we know. But there are times for changes. So I'll give you an example of one that I went through major changes. And that was when the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, died. We had this purpose, mission, and core values. Like I said, your purpose really doesn't change. If your organization exists, it always exists for that reason. At the time, our mission didn't change because we hadn't achieved the mission to be remarkable in all of the measures we had in place for that. But we had a new CEO 
We had a new president. We had a new executive committee. We had a new board of directors. We changed our dress code. We went from offices to free address. We changed things in the menu and the restaurants. I could go on and on about all the change. And you can't have all that change without stopping and reevaluating all the elements of your culture. So one of the things that changed after all those years were the core values. And they went from one word descriptions that described who Truett Cathy was to more of sentences that described who the organization was to each other and to the customer. Ah. So I'll get, let me give you an example since you sound intrigued. Um, I so am, we, I am. So we went from excellence, integrity, generosity, and loyalty, which were all words that fully described Truett. And we didn't abandon them. It's not like they're not things that still exist within Chick-fil-A. But we grew to choose some words that fit where we were on the trajectory because Chick-fil-A at that time was about to become a $10 billion company. And so from 2001 into 2018, it grew by $9 billion. And that kind of growth requires you to take a look at these things. So the core values became instead, we're here to serve, we're better together, we're purpose-driven, and we pursue what's next. And it did fit the organization, especially that fourth one was a really new spirit, which was innovation. If a $10 billion company is going to survive, it has to constantly innovate to meet scale. True. So anyway, that's, an, that's just an example of a bl- another blind spot is knowing when it's time to change some elements of your culture. Sometimes we get too comfortable. Yeah, and being courageous enough to make those changes. So Dan, I want to bring you back to talent because obviously the book bet on talent talent is everything having the right people and you had asked me to bring you back to that as we're (laughs) looking at the leadership so i'm very very curious on what you have to say about bringing the right talent into this environment to be able to execute sure okay so looking for extraordinary talent and it's hard and for your leaders that are listening to this I've been through the cycle that we're experiencing right now of a full employment economy three times, and this is the worst it's ever been. It's so hard. It is. It's so difficult. So what I'm about to share, it's like, oh, no, this is already hard, and Deanne's about to make this harder. But the payoff, it's all about the payoff, and it's about not having to keep doing this over and over again. So I select talent, and first of all, I want to talk about the three criteria for doing that, and their character competency, and chemistry. So first, character. And we've talked a little bit about this. I'm looking for a person that has character that matches the organization. Now, that doesn't mean that their personal purpose, mission, and values have to align exactly, but there's enough overlap that they're buying into, this is the purpose, this is the mission, this is the values, and I'm wired that way personally, and I can support that. So character that matches the organization. Secondly, we want competency that matches the role. So you've got to have a really good job profile, know what you're looking at, and you're looking for that. But I look for something else. If I'm looking for long-term relationships with people and I'm building a leadership bench for the future, then I'm not just looking at competency for today's roles. I'm looking for people who show potential in their competency to fill future roles, maybe jobs that haven't even been invented yet, but certainly leadership roles within the organization. So I'm building my leadership bench as I'm selecting talent. And then lastly, chemistry that matches the specific team that the person is going to work with. You know, are they going to be able to get along? Are they going to be able to collaborate? 
our, the second value is we're better together. Can they help this team be better by their presence on it? So that's the criteria I look for in selecting talent. Then once you have that talent, you've selected the talent, then, well, you've got to steward the talent. You've got to invest in development of that talent and help it grow. And then I talk about sustaining talent in in my book rather than just retaining it because retaining feels to me like warm bodies, you know, we're just keeping them here. But sustaining is all about how can we continue to grow with the people that we have. That's really great. And do you go into that in the book? Oh, yeah. I actually goes into great detail. My best interview questions are in there, my best referencing questions. So I really break down the process as I see it. I explain the criteria, what to look for, and then I break down the process very tactically for readers. That's amazing. And Dan, I just want to thank you for putting out a book that has such tangible advice. I know my listeners always appreciate those steps, the how-tos, the details, the nitty-gritty versus just the inspiration and more of that thought process of like, it would be great if but to actually be able to execute it. And so for you to be able to, I mean, just everything you provided in this podcast interview has been gold, but to put all of that level of detail in your book so that we can all apply it to where we are in our careers and be able to to really see the fruit of that right away is incredible. That's such a gift. Well, Jenny, you know, one of the chapters in the book is about abundance mentality. It was a principle that was taught to me by one of my leaders at Chick-fil-A. And when we have abundance mentality, you know, it's the spirit of a rising tide lifts all boats. And so when we share this information with others in the marketplace, you know, there's enough for all of us. There's enough opportunity for everyone. And when we create a better marketplace with a better level of talent, with a better level of customer service, I think we all win by that. So sharing it, I hope it helps somebody else. Absolutely. I just know it's going to bless people beyond. So. I have one last question for you. And before I get to this question, is there anything that we have not covered when it comes to culture? Anything that you feel like I really want to make sure that we get this across to the listeners and how they can really impact a positive culture in their workplace? So especially for leaders, think about this. People decisions are the most important decisions you make who gets selected, who gets promoted, how they're developed, how they're compensated, they're all the most important decisions in an organization. Because without great people, we can't accomplish great strategies. We can't win the hearts of customers. We can't do any of those things. So that drive home that idea that when, if you're a leader, your biggest responsibility are the people decisions that you make. Amen. Amen. And speaking of people decisions, this is my final question that I have for you because you have had such a successful career, being a a top executive with one of the major companies that we have here in the United States who have great culture, have great values. And to see that progression of your career for other people that are listening, myself included, that we have our, our own goals and what we want to have our career grow into. You know, a lot of us are a little bit ambitious in what we want to be able to achieve in our career. What tips would you have if you were like mentoring someone who was on that path and really wanting to move ahead? What three to five tips would you give to them? What advice would you give to them to help them advance in their career? Sure. If we had a whole day together, Jenny, there's so many things that, you know, looking back on, I would tell you, but I thought of three that I would tell you. The first off is it's so common sense, but it's true. 
we all need somebody. And so find a mentor, find a sponsor, a champion. Sometimes those are three different people. Sometimes they can be one and the same. But find people who will help you navigate the organization. Regardless of how strong an organization is, there are politics in it. Mm-hmm. That's good politics, bad politics, whatever. And, you, and to be a leader, to rise up in that, you need somebody that helps you navigate that. So mentors outside the organization are outstanding because they can become confidence. But you also need those sponsors and champions within the organization. Carve out time in your calendar. Don't Women do this. They get caught up so much in the responsibility of what they have to do that they don't carve out the time for the networking and relationships. Yeah. And I'll tell you one of the mistakes I made. You know, in my mind, I had this, you know, this other huge responsibility at home. And so if I spent time shooting the breeze with other people, then that kept me at work later, which kept me from getting home to my family. And so I was very efficient about how I worked. I stayed focused on what I was doing. But having those lunches with other leaders Taking that time out, investing that extra time is really important. That's amazing. Amen to that. I mean, you like that was truth right there. (laughs) That's great. All right. So that's number one. Hit us with number two. Number two, I would say, is listen far more than you talk. Seek first. This is another Stephen Covey, by the way. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And so often we want to get our idea across. We want to get into the conversation. We want to say what we have to say that we're really not listening to the other person. And that's where we can really endanger our success because all we are trying to push is what our preconceived idea is. And, you know, sometimes when we listen well, we do change our mind and we can find a way forward with collaboration. So seek first to understand and then be understood. And by the way, that then be understood is really important. Understand what your point of view is and express it with confidence, but do so based on having all the information, not just on your perceived answer to things. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Hit us with number three. And number three, I think this is really the important one. There are going to be setbacks. There are going to be barriers, obstacles, extremely difficult days. You have to have the mindset of, I'm going to find a way forward, regardless, no matter what happens. You know, you can take a few minutes and feel sorry for yourself and whine a little bit to your spouse or, you know, or, you know, I used to call my dad when he was alive sometimes and go, dad, walk me through this. But then you got to, as we say, you got to get back on that horse and you have to find a way forward because that's really the only way you can become an influential leader is to stay positive, optimistic, and find that way through whatever it is that's holding you back. I love that you were talking about the mindset of that because it's one thing to just say, you know, I'm going to find a way forward. It's going to be figure outable. And I fully believe everything you can find through Google or YouTube, you can figure out anything. There's so many resources at our fingertips, but regardless of the resources or tools that are at our fingertips, if you don't have that mindset, to be able to push through those days that are really hard and be able to look at it from that positive place of this is going to pass. I'm going to find a way through. There's going to be a solution. And soon I'll look back and be like, oh, it wasn't that difficult. But it is hard to like take on that mindset when you're feeling the weight of the responsibility and the deadlines or even just the obstacles that are coming against you. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And that's where I'm just thankful for the grace of God. And the yeah. power of prayer. <laughs> yes, those things help a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Deanne, I am so blessed by our conversation that we had today. And I'm so excited for everyone to be reading your book and putting in place all of the resources that you provide in there. Bet on Talent. Where can people get their hands on this book? Okay. Well, Bet on Talent, you can find it really, uh, first of all, on my website, deanturner.com. D-E-E-A-N-N turner.com under the books tab or of course on any of the online retailers and many bookstores around the country airports and all the major retailers hope you'll pick a copy up i hope they do too i i really believe that this is one of those books that can really transform because when we make a change in our leadership in our workplace we're now a light that can influence so many other people in different paths and bringing out that remarkable way that we're working and have that impact, not just on the workplace, but on everyone's life that when they leave work as well. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And we will be praying for you as you are promoting this book and just pray for God's blessing on your message and really your heart and in, in developing leaders. We thank you so much for everything that you do and everything that you're about. Well, thank you, Jenny. Again, it's been a complete pleasure to be with you and I enjoyed our conversation. You guys, I hope that you're coming away from this interview the same as I am coming away from this interview. I want more. And I'm so excited to be reading her book, Bet on Talent. And I hope that you go and you grab it and you connect with her on social media, that you connect with her on her website, because there's so much wisdom and we have so much power to be able to influence others when we are building a positive, great culture in the workplaces that God has called us to. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. And maybe even share it with a couple of your coworkers to get them on board with creating a positive culture right alongside with you. Now, if you haven't done so already, I hope that you hit subscribe because we have even more great episodes coming for you next week. And until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.